Good morning, Cornerstone. A warm welcome to any visitors we have joining us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Rich, and I'm part of the ministry staff here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Today we are looking at the fourth chapter in the book of Lamentations. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the story so far, the book of Lamentations is a series of laments, five poems, each in response to the destruction of Jerusalem in the 6th century BC. And each poem is represented, viewed from a different point. Uh, each viewpoint expresses grief slightly differently, but it's all response is a response to the destruction done by the hand of God against his people and his city. Uh, in Lamentations 1, we heard a grief-stricken cry from our abandoned widow. In Lamentations 2, we were given a tragic report. In Lamentations 3, we saw an afflicted man's struggles. And in Lamentation 4, we turn our attention to the average citizen who describes their grief in response to the destruction of their people and their city. Uh, please have your Bibles open to Lamentations 4. We'll be looking at that together and I'll be reading that out for us. That's Lamentations chapter 4 and this is God's Word. How the gold has lost its luster, the fine gold become dull, the sacred gems are scattered at every street corner. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer their breasts to nurse their young. But my people have become heartless like ostriches in the desert. Because of thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a hand turned to help her. Their princes were brighter than snow and whiter than milk, their bodies more ruddy than rubies, their appearance like lapis lazuli, but now they are blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as a stick. Those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine. Racked with hunger, they waste away for lack of food from the field. With their own hands, compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed within her the blood of the righteous. Now they grope through the streets as if they were blind. They are so defiled with blood that no one dares to touch their garments. Go away! You are unclean! People cry to them. Away! Away! Don't touch us! 
when they flee and wander about, people among the nations say they can stay here no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honor. The elders no favor. Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain for help. From our towers we watched for a nation that could not save us. People stalked us at every step, but we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near, our days were numbered, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. The Lord's anointed, our very life breath, was caught in their traps. We thought that under his shadow we would live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of Uz. But to you also the cup will be passed. You will be drunk and stripped naked. Your punishment will end daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile, but he will punish your sin, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to hear your word, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Father, I pray please be with me as I communicate your word this morning. Anoint me for this task. And I pray, Father, that as your word is preached, that your spirit would be working powerfully in our service this morning, that through him our eyes would be cast ultimately onto Christ, for he is our hope, he is our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is futile to trust in anything but God. It is futile to trust in anything but God. In our laments, God will expose the empty promises of our sin. As we grieve, He will show us the empty promise of trusting in idols. That in our grief, He will remind us that restoration and healing cannot be found in the things of this world, money, pleasure, or experiences. Healing and restoration can only be found in Him. The book of Lamentations reminds us in every chapter, hope cannot be found in sin. And we actually are told that it was sin that led to Jerusalem's destruction. A Jerusalem had trusted in nations, had found comfort in idols, had turned to their sin rather than God. As we look at the book of Lamentations, friends, we are confronted with a question, especially here in Lamentations 4. Where is your trust, your comfort, your hope? Where is your trust, your comfort, your hope? Where have we placed them? I think broadly speaking, we can tend to place our trust in three types of capital. Financial capital, cultural capital, or social capital. FYI, I did a bit of sociology at university, hence why I know those terms. But said more simply, we can place our trust in wealth 
or prosperity, in our jobs or our name, our prestige, or into our social connections, the people that we know. And placing your trust in these things is a trap that we can all fall into. When things go wrong, and they will, where will we place our trust? Lamentations is a book that warns us. It warns us that it is futile to trust in anything but God. Destruction, suffering, death, and loss are trials and hardships that each of us will experience. Many of us are experiencing that now. And it is through these seasons that God will awaken us to the empty promises found in sin. Thus in Lamentations 4, we are reminded and called to place our trust in God. And our average citizen, the fourth viewpoint of Lamentations, reminds us that it is futile to trust in anything rather than God. Today we'll be working from the following three points. Point number one, the futility of prosperity. Point number two, the futility of prestige. And point number three, the futility of people. The futility of prosperity, the futility of prestige, the futility of people. Let's start with that first point together. The futility of prosperity. I remember watching as a child the Disney movie Pocahontas. And when Captain John Smith and his crew arrived in America, they were sold a dream of finding gold and jewels. Among British explorers, there was a thirst for gold. There was even a European myth about a lost city of gold, El Dorado, that was just waiting to be found. A dream sold to explorers that the very city had footpaths made out of gold. A city with overflowing gold. It sounds a bit like a fantasy, doesn't it? But not for Jerusalem. We are told that during the time of Solomon that gold was in abundance. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 15 says, And the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stone. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. Jerusalem was a city filled with gold. One king tells us that Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold. And he extended the chains across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid this with gold. Jerusalem was in many ways the city of gold. But no more. What do we read in chapter 4? We read about a city that has lost its wealth. That has lost its grandeur. Look what verse 1 says. How the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold become dull. The sacred gems are scattered at every street corner. Now gold doesn't become dull. But it can be taken away. And that's what's happened here. Jerusalem had been looted, had been plundered by Nebuchadnezzar and his army, destroyed by the Babylonians. It's then here in these first 10 verses, we are given a description of what Jerusalem once was. 
and what they have now become. Have a look with me. Verse 2. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. Verse 5. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. Verse 7 and 8. Their princes were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. Their bodies more ruddy than rubies, their appearance like lapis lazuli. But now they are blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as a stick. From being a rich city where gold and silver were as common as stone, they have become a city where there is no wealth, no money, but only death famine, and heartache. Just listen to the sorry state that Jerusalem is now in. Verse 3 and 4. Even jackals offer their breasts to nurse their young. But my people have become heartless like ostriches in the desert. Because of thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. It's so sad what we read. Mothers have abandoned their young. They just can't look after them anymore. There is no food. In chapter 2, we are told that children have died in their mother's arms, growing faint from hunger. It would have been a painful scene to watch. Our average citizen says that things were so bad so bad that compassionate women, verse 10, killed their own children for food. This is saying that the conditions were so terrible that it was more compassionate to kill and eat your own children rather than to see them die of starvation. We are told that the Lord was more merciful to Sodom that was destroyed by fire in an instant rather than to Jerusalem. In our passage, those killed by the sword are seen more favorably than those left to waste away to die from hunger and lack of resources. The wealth and prosperity of Jerusalem is gone. And all that is left behind is destitution, death, and destruction. Our average citizen is drawing us to see from the destruction of Jerusalem the futility of trusting in our wealth, trusting in prosperity. Before COVID hit our shores, Australia was in a financially good position. But because of the lockdowns, because of the stimulus packages, we will see deficits, we will see debts to our budget for over a decade. Having prosperity will not mean that you are immune to disaster when it strikes. This makes me think of the words of Jesus who said to us, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wealth fortune, prosperity, can be taken away, can be destroyed. And this can happen in an instant. And who did this to Jerusalem? 
Who had taken Jerusalem's prosperity? Well, it was God. God had made Jerusalem prosperous. We see this in the reign of Solomon. However, here in our passage, it has been taken away. Look at verse 11 and 12. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. When the Lord departed from his people, when he removed his mighty right hand from them, he took away their security and he left them open to be plundered. And that's what happened. Babylon had stolen the wealth and prosperity of Jerusalem. Two Chronicles tells us that Nebuchadnezzar came and took the treasures from the temple. He looted Jerusalem. The futility of trusting in money and trusting in wealth can happen to all of us. That we will trust in our money in the bank, trust in our big house, trust in our investments, saving them for the rainy day when tribulation and trials come, thinking that they will save us. How the wealth stored up can so easily be stolen by thieves. Lamentations for us thus giving us some of us, a gentle reminder. Some of us, a loud reminder. Not to make money, not to make our wealth our source of income. Prosperity does not equal security. Grief awakens us to see the empty promises of our idols. It awakens us to see the empty promises of wealth, of prosperity. And Lamentations 4 has so much more to say. The second lesson that Lamentations 4 gives us is that security cannot be found in our job, name, or prestige. And this leads us to our second point. Point two, the futility of prestige. When you think of prestige, what comes to mind? I think of a very secure job like that of a doctor or a lawyer or I think of a name that just carries power. Uh, to me, the name Oprah just carries power. However, prestige, just like wealth, can easily fall. I remember being told a story from my grandmother years ago about the standing her family held because her father was the headmaster in, at a school. She told me that people would come to him for advice and for counsel. In the 1930s, in that small town in Germany, her family was held in high regard. But what happened? Well, the war happened. And when the war came, that once held prestige, honor was gone. Never seen again. A secure job, nor prestige, nor good social standing does not equal untouchable. It doesn't mean that you will be immune to suffering. What about in Jerusalem? What would have been considered a position of authority and came with prestige and influence? Well, that would be our prophets, our elders, the priests, those who could influence and could even influence the king and his nobles. 
in a bank where they would be given the place of honor, where the host would invite them to sit a little closer. But here in our passage, their high standing has been taken away and they have become untouchable. And not in a good way. People cry out to them, go away, unclean. Lamentations 4 tells us they are responsible for Jerusalem's sins. Their lies to the king and their poor conduct in worship have led to the spilling of innocent blood, have led to the destruction of Jerusalem. Look with me at what our text says. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed within her the blood of the righteous, now they grope through the streets as if they were blind. They are so defiled with blood that no one dares to touch their garments. Go away! You are unclean! People cry to them. Away! Away! Don't touch us! When they flee and wander about, people among the nations say they can stay here no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honor. The elders no favor. From the place of honor at the banquet feasts, prophets, priests, and elders are now despised. Verse 16 says, the Lord himself has scattered them, no longer watching over them. Now this is conveying that the Lord himself has brought them low, and they will never have their standing ever again. In Lamentations 2 verse 20, we are told that it was the Lord, by the Lord's hand, prophets and priests were killed in the temple. Our pastor says they are scattered among the nations, gone into exile. Privilege and prestige are never secure. Prestige does not equal security. When disaster strikes our jobs in society or our name that gives us good standing, could be lost. So again, a warning to each of us. Don't make your career or your social standing in society your security. For the Lord can easily take this away. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The next lesson to be learned from Lamentations 4 is the futility of social connections. Point three, the futility of people. The prosperity of Jerusalem is gone. Those of privilege who had high standing have been brought low. Our average citizen in verse 17 then recounts the futility of people. Look what they say. Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain for help from our towers. We watch for a nation that could not save us. Jerusalem was hoping that foreign aid would help them, that as the destruction, famine, and death surrounded them, that at the critical moments, help would come. It's like that scene in Lord of the Rings, when things looked dire at Helm's Deep, that suddenly as dawn approached, Gandalf arrived and an army behind him came in time to save Rohan. But that's not what happened here. That's not what happened here. 
Jerusalem didn't receive aid. They had thought that help would come from Egypt. But in that critical moment, it did not. Babylon had broken through. Babylon had destroyed them. Look what our passage says. People stalked us at every step, so we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days were numbered, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. These verses are saying there was no way out. There was no escape. Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Verse 20, their last ray of hope was snatched when their king was taken captive. Jeremiah 39 recounts the king's attempted escape. That he tried to escape by night, but the army pursued him. The army captured him. His sons were killed before his eyes. His eyes then poked out, and then he was taken to Babylon in shackles. When the army came, nothing, no one could help Jerusalem. No wealth or security could save them. The kings, priests, and prophets were brought low. And in that last critical moment, help never came. Friends, this passage is reminding each of us the futility of trusting people. Because when hard times come, they can let you down. The question is, though, who or what can save us? What can help us during those times of despair, those times of suffering, those times of lament? Well, our passage reminds us that it is, it is futile to trust in anything but God. So our trust, our security must be in God. Let me end with this. If we are honest with ourselves, COVID has rocked our world. It has produced all kinds of suffering and heartache. People's businesses have gone under. People's jobs have been lost. People have died. We heard about that this morning. Across the world, millions of people have died because of COVID and its ramifications. Uh, there is a mass amount of grief. There is a mass amount of despair. And just like Lamentation speaks into Jerusalem's situation, reminding them the, the futility of prosperity, prestige, and people, we are also reminded during this time of COVID that money cannot end the suffering. A well-positioned job will not make you immune to her effects. Connections and relationships cannot help you if they're dead. Only God can help. Only God during the trials and the suffering, during those seasons of grief and despair, He can help us. He must be our hope. He must be our security. For only God can help us in our suffering. And it's only Him who can end the suffering. And the suffering will end. Look at verse 22 with me. Verse 22. Your punishment will end, daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile. But he will punish your sin, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. In the midst of the judgment, Edom will be punished for her sin. But for Jerusalem, her suffering will come to an end. Her exile 
will end. The question is, when will the exile be over? When will the suffering end? Did it end when Nehemiah built the wall and the city was restored? No, because God did not return and dwell with his people. And what about with Jesus? Did the exile end then? For surely in Jesus, the Lord returned to his people. Again, no. For the Jews did not realize that when Jesus came on the scene, that this was the hour of their visitation, that the Lord had come and returned to his people. What do we actually read? Well, instead of welcoming him in at Jerusalem, they crucified him. So when will the suffering end? When will the exile end for the people of God? The exile will ultimately end. The suffering will ultimately end when the Lord returns and dwells again with his people. The suffering will end when the Lord Jesus returns. Let me read again from our New Testament passage. It's Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be, them, be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In the midst of suffering, friends, in the midst of grief and loss, it is futile to trust in anything of this world, for they are just empty promises that will not last. Uh, we are reminded here from our series and lamentation that our hope must be in the Lord. We need to trust in Him. We need to place our security in Him. We need to fix our eyes on Him, for when our Lord and Savior Jesus does return, He will end the suffering. Look at those beautiful words from Revelation again. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God will dwell again with His people once more, and when He does, there will be no more sin. The work that Jesus did for us on the cross in paying for our sins, removing the penalty of our sin, removing the power of our sin. In his death and resurrection, it will be completed at his return. When he returns, the presence of sin will be done away with. Sin will be no more. We are told he will wipe every tear away from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For these former things have passed away. The curse of sin will be gone. The effects of the fall done away with. Friends, let us therefore continue to look to Jesus. Our hope that has been stored up for us. 
a hope that cannot be taken away, destroyed by moths or vermin, that cannot be stolen. Let us continue to place our trust, let us continue to place our comfort and our hope in Jesus, a hope that has been stored for us in heaven, our inheritance. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for our Lord and Savior Jesus, our hope and our Redeemer. Father, we pray in the midst of great suffering and lament that we would fix our eyes on him, for he is our security, he is our hope, a security and hope that cannot be stolen or destroyed. Father, I pray continue to work in the lives, continue to work in our lives that we may see the futility of trusting in anything but you. And I pray, Father, for my grieving brothers and sisters here, that as they cast their eyes on Christ, that they would find comfort and peace in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks be to Jesus.